Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we are from MindRobber.net, the home side of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts, like Doctor Who on this podcast, uh, and other things that aren't Doctor Who on our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers. And if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, any other sort of cool thing you feel like sharing, you can email them to podcast at mindrobber.net. Or if you want to start a discussion, then you should hop on the website mindrobber.net and leave comments on this episode or other episodes that you have comments on, and we will comment back, and it will be a discussion. Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Macra Terror, which is a second Doctor Ben Polly Jamie story that does not exist uh, at, all. at all outside of a couple of clips, a couple of like like five-second clips uh, yeah. that were edited out because they were too scary. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is the best. That's the best part about Doctor Who is like whenever they um, – there's a bunch of stories that don't exist, but they, for some reason, they just, they would excise sections because they were just too scary. And then they would, those are the stuff that still exists. So we get like the best parts. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, and, and, and then obviously the audio track. So what we're, what we have watched is a reconstruction uh, narrated by Colin Baker. And uh, that, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, but before we get to our discussion of the Macra Terra, uh, terror, Macra Terra, uh, Macra Terra, <laughs> Macra Terra. That's the sequel. Um, <laughs> the Macra uh, Invade Earth. <laughs> Matt, what is the uh, what's the background and significance for the Macra Terror? Uh, well, the Macra Terror. Uh, it's the I guess it's the fifth story with Patrick Troughton. So it's still really early days. It's in season four, um, and it's right before the departure of um, Ben and Polly. But um, and it's written by Ian Stewart Black who had previously written The Savages and The War Machines. Um, so it's that guy, which I think is really interesting. Um, and it's directed by John Davies, who I don't think actually did anything else. Um, so this is his only his only thing. Um, really, honestly, though, uh, production-wise, it's not very interesting. They created a 10-foot macro, and they could only afford one, and it could only be moved by a van, which I think is really funny. Um, but more than anything, I think that this is the story where – um, the second doctor starts to become the doctor, like for reals. Like we've watched, um, we've watched the underwater menace and it's very bizarre <laughs> to see. Um, but I mean, like after the moon base, there's a very famous po- quote that the second doctor says in the moon base, which is, um, uh, they're creatures in the dark corners of the universe. They must be fought. I'm paraphrasing, but it's a great quote. And, um, this is the first story after that. And it's really like, 
quintessential Doctor Who and a um, a real gem of the Patrick Troughton era, as far as I'm concerned. Like a real unforgotten gem. If if you split Troughton into good half and bad half, this is definitely in the good half, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, that's the Macrotera. It's not a not a whole lot. Right, right. Not not a super like important story. No, not at all. It's very it's very like almost bog standard Doctor Who, but. It, that that makes it sound like it's like average. I think it's actually quite good for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, re- very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we continue and and start talking about the macro terror, uh, this reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our book of the month, Severed, by Scott Snyder, Scott Tuft, and Attila Futaki. This book is available for only fourteen ninety nine, which is forty percent off the suggested retail price of twenty four ninety nine. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. Uh, so so pick that up and a few other things and uh, get free shipping thanks to InStockTrades.com. Uh, and if you want to hear our thoughts on Severed, then you're going to want to listen to the next episode, The Mind Robbers. It'll be episode 30 uh, in which we will discuss it. I've already read it. It is terrifying. <laughs> so if you want a good horror comic, um, that also that, – that, that both emotionally rips out your heart and literally – uh, you're going to want to read Severed because it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch it. <clears throat> can't wait. Um, all right. So the Macro Terror, uh, as I said earlier, it doesn't exist. It, this is a reconstruction that we watched. Um, I'll be honest. This was one of the rougher reconstructions I've had to watch mm-hmm. so far um, because it just – this story doesn't really lend itself to a reconstruction very well. No. Uh, there are a lot of moments in this where I was confused about what was happening. Um, and even after I watched the whole thing, I had to read each plot, like each, each episode's plot synopsis on, um, on uh, TARDIS Wiki because I just I, – I had to like – I thought I got the gist of what was going on, but I just wanted to make sure that I had the details right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and there are a lot of moments like each one of these reconstruction episodes was 24 minutes, which is way longer than they needed to be. There were long stretches of time in each part where it was just an image with like no dialogue and some sound effects or music. And I was like, guys, guys, we don't need this. Like <laughs> <laughs> at least tell me what's going on. Yeah, just just tell me what's going on or move on to something else that's uh, obviously more important than this. Um mm-hmm. it was that that was that was rough. That was mm-hmm. rough. This was a rough reconstruction. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Happens. <laughs> Happens. Yeah. Well, um, you didn't make it. <laughs> no, I didn't. And if I had, it probably would have been maybe a little better. Um <laughs> we can hope. Uh but you liked it. Yeah, no, I I I liked it. I I mean, I guess for those of you who don't who might want to know what the what the story's about, because uh, I feel like that's more important in the reconstructions than in any other episodes. Because you're not uh, gonna watch this one, <laughs> right? You guys aren't gonna watch this one. Um, but basically, what happens is uh, the Doctor, Ben, Polly, and Jamie, um, they uh, at the end of the last story. They will like, you know, travel in the TARDIS and then they, they look at the little TV screen and there's like a there's like a giant crab claw and they're like, oh, not cool. And then they, so they land and go check it out. And then there's all these shiny, happy people uh, dancing <laughs> and uh, and they're like, OK, well, that's weird. But uh, OK. 
and then they're there for a while and then they realize that these people are shiny and happy because uh they are being brainwashed and put to work by the macro which are these crab things crab giant crab creatures that live off gas off this gas that this planet uh uh produces and so they 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 brainwash these people to go mine this gas for them uh and it kills them it's it's lethal to the people that are mining it um why the crab people aren't just mining the gas themselves i'm not totally sure slave uh, labor is cheap guys I, I guess i guess they're just lazy i mean i think that that's these this is a story about lazy crabs uh <laughs> And, and, uh, yeah, so then the doctor basically needs to convince this, uh, this city, uh, uh, full of shiny, happy brainwashed people to, uh, overthrow the macra and, uh, become independent. And it doesn't go very well for most of the story, um, <laughs> really until the last five minutes. Uh, yeah. so, and all of the day is saved. <laughs> and then all the day is saved and everybody dances and, uh, the doctor, Ben, Polly, and Jamie uh, fake dance and back away from the shiny, happy people back into the TARDIS, which is so funny. Like, <laughs> they slowly back away. <laughs> I, like, I would give really anything scary. to see that. I would, lo- <laughs> I would give anything. I think if there was a part in this story that I want to see more than any other part, it's the last scene. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, it's it. There's but there's a lot in this that I think is um, uh, worth worth like seeing. I think the the one of my favorite lines is the part where the doctor and his companions are hauled away, and there's this um, like it's basically the 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 thing about the Macrotarians. It's basically just a giant dystopian story. Um, it's just about like a world that's gone to hell and that is um overseen by this Big Brother type face character, and it's very totalitarian, and it's very much like. All in the name of um, the greater good and and very dystopian. But there's just like, so you have like fun jingles and the doctor will have none of this society. Like he just wants to tear it down, like which is total Doctor Who. Like that's like every Doctor Who story. Um, but <laughs> but it, but I mean, I, for one thing, it's interesting that this predates Robert Holmes, who really brought that home. But the <laughs> there's just this part where there's this jingle going on where they're like, everybody loves to work. And then the doctor just goes, and I think they rhyme work with work, and the doctor just goes, oh, oh, dreadful. What a horrible rhyme. That guy should be sent to the gas mine. (laughs) It's like my favorite line. I actually went back and watched it twice because it was so goddamn hilarious. Um, I just... I loved it. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's a great, like, it's a great story. It's got great twists and turns. I think the ending is very, um, very satisfying. I mean, it's a very simple solution. You just pump all the gas away from the macra because, you know, it's a struggle for it. Because you have one section of people who need gas, the other people who don't need gas. So if you just remove all the gas, then the people who don't need gas will thrive and the people who need the gas will die. Um, I like the solution mostly because um, it's all about Ben. Uh, getting over his brainwashing and I love the part where he's just like, Oh, stuff it. Like he just, like he just (laughs) says, shut up right now. I'm doing this and I'm taking you down. I think it's a really like, it's a really satisfying ending in the way that, um, fury from the deep is a satisfying ending. Um, and that's like, it makes me really happy. And I really, I was looking forward to watching this and I don't think it, I don't think I liked it as much this time, but I really, 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 really like this story a lot. So, Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's just it's it's very Doctor Who by numbers, but in a mm-hmm. good way. Yes. Um, uh, and I I do wish this story existed over a lot of others. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's the biggest thing is like you have people who are like like oh we should get the space pirates back because they know that the space pirates um you know uh, has the title the space pirates and <laughs> and so people will say oh you should bring that one but like I think this is a great like entry like this is a great like it's an early Troughton story so he's definitely like bursting with energy and trying a whole lot of different things. I mean, Troughton here is great. Like, really, really, really great. There's nothing like good Troughton. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's a good showing for Ben, Polly, and Jamie. Well, not Jamie as much. Jamie really doesn't kick in until um, Ben and Polly leave in the next Mm -hmm. story. But it's just a great showing for all of them, especially Ben. I really love what they did with Ben here. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really terrifying. I do think it's funny, though, that Jamie... Being a a Scot from the Highlands, uh, in what century? Sixteenth century, seventeenth, sixteenth, seventeenth century. Yeah, and he has a Beatles cut, so that's <laughs> that is um, he's a trendsetter, Jamie. Yeah. He's just he's just way ahead of his time. I mean, it's really <laughs> just like he was just really prophetic, really, really, really prophetic. Um, <laughs> Or he might have gotten well. I mean, he had like a weird, like fascist haircut in um, uh, underwater menace. I don't know if you remember that, but he has this weird like comb over, and here he's just like got the that <laughs> the Beatles cut. But it's uh it's funny. Um, the mop top. Yes, the mop top. The mop top semi bowl cut. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't have a lot to say about it except that I really enjoy it. I just think it's like it's one of those stories that it kind of just let wash over me. Which I mean, those are the best stories. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. I love the giant crab. I love that. And uh, the macro themselves actually did reappear in Doctor Who in Gridlock. They're the giant crabs in Gr- oh, Gridlock. Oh right. Yeah. So <laughs> if you were wondering what they did with that. Um, it's uh there. That's what Russell T Davies used. He used the macro there, but they're much less smart um, because they're, I guess, drunk in that episode or something. <laughs> they're drunk. <laughs> well, they're feeding off. They're doing the same thing. They're feeding off of um, toxic fumes, but it's um it's slightly different. But yeah, that's that's where the macro kind of recur <laughs> is in that story. Hmm. Um, I also like that it is basically a story about venereal disease. Um, where there's. <laughs> There's a small infection of macra, and then and they're giant crabs, and then the macra suddenly get to the brain, and then the brain is taken over by the evil disease. Um, which I don't know, made me laugh. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's really that's kind of all I have to say about it. It's just really good. <laughs> it's just really good. Oh, and the 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 what was it? The second cliffhanger, the one where the the controller shows up. Is really really scary, and the voice that they use for the um, control is really. I love that voice. I want. I want that voice to narrate my life for reals. Mm-hmm. I think. <sighs> that's fair. <laughs> so so is that it? I guess that's it. I mean, I don't really have any other <laughs> thoughts on it. I I I mean, you know, it it, it doesn't break the bank anywhere. It's uh, you know, I, I just. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, oh, and and Jamie doing the Highland dance is really funny. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, well, except that you we don't see it. We get to it just cuts to the reconstruction. Just cuts to some like crazy river dancer. Break, <laughs> break dancing river dancer clip. Like it's the weirdest reconstruction. 
Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I I really wish this story exists. It's like it's not on my short list, but it's definitely on the list of stories that like mm. you know if they don't want to return the space pirates, that's fine. Just return the Macrotera. I'll be okay with it. And no one, no one will agree with me if, like, all the people who haven't seen, they're like, just show me the space pirates. And I'm like, guys, you don't want to see the space pirates, like, for reals. Like, you just don't want to. It's so bad. It's really uh, bad. You know, right. in that moment when that, when the, when the shiny happy guy was like, <laughs> was like, uh, you need to dance, Jamie. Like, you have to dance. You have to dance well. I swear to God, I thought Jamie was going to moonwalk. <laughs> Even though that was that. Uh, even though that was a cultural phenomenon that wasn't going to exist for another 20 years, like, I still, that's all I wanted in the world in that oh. moment. Was, and then everyone just goes, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's called a moonwalk. What's a moon? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, man. Like in, like in Back to the Future 3 when they... Um, yeah, that's what, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I know. I'm just clarifying for those at home who... Can't keep up with us. Um, so yeah, that's all I got. The Macrotera, if you haven't listened to it, it's actually it plays I don't know, it plays really well if you're interested. Like mm-hmm. I I highly, highly recommend this one. Um it's a lot of fun. Alright, well, before we move on to Victory of the Daleks, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop, uh, you can pre-order from DCBService.com. What you do is you place your pre-orders a couple of months in advance. Uh, with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. Um, and uh, just a couple of examples for this month. Um, we've got the, uh, the uh, Sleeper Omnibus is coming out, um, mm. and we're, they're pre-ordering that at 50% off, so you can get... Ed Brubaker and and Sean Phillips' uh, entire sleeper run for thirty seven fifty, mm-hmm. a nice omnibus hardcover, which is good. Um, we've got the first volume of Revival, uh, which is a new image series from Tim Seeley and Mike Norton, who are both really really nice guys, and uh, they are that that's fifty percent off for only six dollars and forty nine cents for the first volume of that. So um, that's just a couple of the. Uh, couple of the good things that you can pre-order from over there. So um, go to DCBService.com and order stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So <clears throat> now we talk about what I imagine is going to be the larger larger chunk of today's episode. Yeah, uh, with uh, a lot more complaining. Yeah. Um, Victory of the Daleks, which is an episode written by um, Mark Gatiss and is an episode that... I always remember, like, whenever I think about the episode, just just whenever I was like, oh, that episode's not so bad. Like, that gets, that episode gets a bum rap. Then I watch it and I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't. This is, this is terrible. Uh, This is, this is, this is, this is awful. It's an awful, awful, awful episode. Um, It just, the, the writing is horrible. The, the the character the the characterization of um of Churchill is is just he's like a cartoon character like it's it's 
despicable and 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 disrespectful i think um and it's just just all across the board this is not good and makes no sense and uh is just everything that i hate about the moffat era summed up in the third episode it's interesting that everything that i want from the moffat era is summed up in the first and second episodes and everything I hate is in the third one. It's fascinating, really. Yeah, and you can tell which way they went because it was produced later. Um, yeah, you're 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 not wrong. I remember the first time I watched this. Um, like when season five aired, or series five, I suppose. Um, every episode was really exciting. I remember every episode. I was like, man, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for what's next. I can't wait for um, like every with every progressive episode. And when they said victory of the dogs, I was like, yeah, okay, let's get behind this. I haven't tra- I hadn't traditionally loved Gatiss in the past, but I was like, you know what? Fine, let's see what he can do. Um, and it was nice to see the Daleks again. Um, and I remember watching this. Um, I watched it with um, with my girlfriend at the time, and we were in a we were in a library room because we couldn't get any private space. We we like got one of those study rooms at the library and just plugged in the computer and watched it. <laughs> and- <laughs> In the library room. I remember watching it and, like, being, like, really wanting to like it. I remember really wanting to like it. And then, you know, you walk out. You know when you walk out of something that's really bad and you go, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I wasn't grooving, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And then every time I've watched it since, I'm like, you know what? This isn't very good. To the point where this time I watched it, I was like, wow, this is, this is actually terrible. Like, this is, like, actually really, really, really nightmarishly bad. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like, it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing good about it. The one good thing is the, um, is the Amy moment at the end where she, um, where she says, have you ever liked someone you shouldn't have liked? Like, I, I like that character moment because it's very in line with the season, but everything mm-hmm. else is just terrible. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, the writing alone is so, like, if, if this guy, if, if Gatiss wasn't Moffat's friend and Gatiss had just been brought in work for hire for this, he never would have worked on Doctor Who again. I th- I'm very convinced, based purely on quality, not on how well he worked or how good he turned in things on time. Because this is this is bad. Like it's just there's no there's nothing to this thematically. There's nothing to this uh, story wise. There's nothing to this character wise. There's nothing to this. Um, in terms of plot, the plot is all over the place, and it's basically just throwing everything at the screen to try and. Con- to- to try and trick you into the the thought that there is no um, that there is something here to be enjoyed. Um, everything that you might enjoy of this is all visceral, and visceral clearly does not work on me. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just it's awful. And I, I I've long said that you know victory of the Daleks. If uh, if that's your worst episode of the season, that's uh you're in a pretty good place. I like saying that about things. I can't say that. <laughs> it's just not. This is not a good place for your season to be, especially not like, not like here. And it's, oh, oh, unfortunate, unfortunate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I really, uh, I, I like that moment that you're talking about. You're right. That is a good moment. It's very telling about her character and about where we are in the season and everything. But God, this is just, I, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't be like, (laughs) you can't tell a robot convince yourself that you're human and you won't be a bomb anymore that doesn't work no it doesn't nor does it make sense because like 
man, the Daleks really did some good research to make this guy. Like, really? <laughs> like, either he has the best imagination I've ever heard in my life, or uh, they did a really good job of, of making him into someone. <laughs> Like, real? Oh, God. Because it's, like, because you're just, because, like, I understand that, like, he's building off of memories, I suppose. But, like, what he's doing is essentially writing a story. And you can only write a story based on, like, with exquisite detail that you understand and feel if you've already experienced those things. And it's, like, you can't, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'm wrong, but you can't, like, implant a robot with an, ex- like, with, with an emotion if there's no experience behind it. How did the Daleks understand that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Well, not um, not only that, but, like, the end of his, his uh, air quotes arc, um, in which he's like, well, I guess I'm going to be decommissioned. They're like, oh, yes, decommissioned, uh, which was actually, it's that, that, that actually, that, um, the way that that's played out is very doctory, um, mm-hmm. and I yes. approve of that. But he's like, "Oh yes, decommissioned, and I will absolutely be getting to that right after I do this thing that's going to take about twenty minutes or long, just long enough for you to escape." Uh, and I, and I, I appreciated that, but the idea that they're like, "Oh yeah, you should go see." That woman that you said, and it's like, no, he, he shouldn't because he doesn't actually know her. She's not real. Like <laughs> his memory is made up. Yeah, none, none of that is real. It never happened. Yeah. Like yeah. What, either, what are you talking about? Yeah, either 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 she's real and she never met him, or he's or or she's not real and he's just going to be really disappointed and have <laughs> yeah. like real heartbreak that will blow up the earth. Like for reals. <laughs> like that's where that's going. It's, that is a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not very good. Then again, none of the ideas here are very good. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm all for forgiving the doctor being able to talk his way out of the Daleks. In fact, that's my favorite part of Doomsday. Honestly, if I had to pick one is when the doctor walks into the court into the cult cult of Scar and basically just starts talking to them. Like that is to me the most iconic doctor versus the Daleks moment I've ever seen in my life. Um but you hit a real problem where it's like the doctor spends essentially twenty minutes of this episode just standing around on a on a on a on, a, on the Dalek spaceship, and uh, I guess God bless Matt Smith for being such a good sport. Except there's one shot right when the um right when the Ironside Daleks are destroyed, where he just see him and he just looks slouched and bored by this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. Because you know it took them, like, three days to shoot that. Like, it took them, like, three, four days to shoot all that stuff. Oh, it's so unfortunate. And you know and, that he's just bored? Yeah. And, and uh, well, and I also think, because I remember when this episode came out and uh, Amy was, like, the new companion and everything. And uh, during the uh, Doctor Who Confidential they talked about the new design for the Daleks and they were like, they were like, oh yeah, you know, like we, you, the Moffat was like, oh, I really like the idea of like divvying up the Daleks and giving each color like, like a designated role and everything. Like there's the science officer and the war officer and yada, yada. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, I, cause like the whole, like uh, the I Daleks or the Dalek Power Rangers or whatever jokes that you want to make about it. Like it's never really bothered me. Um, no, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's hardly the biggest complaint of this episode. Right. right. Hardly. And, and, and honestly, like you can, you can make that, that, 
a problem, but I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's, I wouldn't really call it like calling it like, like the Apple Daleks or the, or the uh, Power Ranger Daleks is kind of, it's, it's just kind of silly because what it really is, it's Star Trek Daleks. I mean, that's what they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about, they're like, yeah, no, we had to make them bigger because uh, the whole point of the Daleks is that they need to look intimidating and they don't, they, they didn't look intimidating next to, uh, next to next to Karen Gillan because she's so tall. So they needed to make her because like when they when they redesigned the Daleks for the new series, they based it off of the height of Billy Piper, who is quite short. So they had to make them larger so that they looked intimidating next to uh, next to Karen Gillan, who's like you know six feet tall or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but here's what's funny about that. Here's what's funny about that. Guess who's never interacted with those Daleks before? <laughs> In her entire run as a companion, not one time. Yep. Not one, because those Daleks are not in Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah, or if they are, it's very, like, it's one Dalek, and it's not even like she comes face-to-face with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, here's my my biggest <laughs> so complaint funny. about it. My biggest complaint about it is there is, is I was reading, um, just before we did this, I was reading what... Uh, some background on it on my trusty, trusty background site and uh, shannasullivan.com. Um, and apparently Moffat's goal was to make the Daleks more scary, right? Like you said, more scary. Here's the thing. I don't know if you've seen the Daleks, not you, but I don't know if anyone at home has seen the Daleks, but the original Dalek story, the Daleks are very small. Like they're not like, they're not like midgets, but they're like, you know, they're about as tall as William Hartnell, maybe a little bit smaller than him. They're not very much much taller they're no they're no way taller than the redesign for the 2005 series but like they're still scary like you still watch the daleks and you still get scared by them you still watch dalek invasion of earth and you still get scared by them and it's like the idea that daleks need to be tall and imposing is like almost anti-dalek the the whole thing about the daleks that makes them scary is that they look ridiculous and they're still terrifying Mm -hmm. um they're more scary with a napoleon complex anyway oh yeah exactly and it's like and it's like just like you don't need to you don't need to make them bigger like big daleks is not what's scary like and and that that rationale is very moffat to me like the idea that you know this this almost ashamedness of what doctor who has been for 50 years the idea that it looks cheap the idea that it um you know, has rubbish monsters that look kind of ridiculous. Like those are all things that I love about Doctor Who, and he's trying to undo that. And I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I know that there are people who do who like it being a little more serious, and that's fine. But like, who cares? Like, just, just, just relax. It's gonna be okay. The Daleks have been scary for fifty years. There, you're nothing you do is going to change that. Just because Karen Gillan's a little taller than him, like it doesn't doesn't matter. Um. That's really, um, it's really unfortunate. It's just like, just relax, you know, (laughs) just relax. Um, uh, other things about the Daleks. Um, okay. I am also very forgiving. Uh, Oh, back to the point I was originally making, I guess. Uh, I'm very forgiving of the, why don't they just shoot him argument? Like the, why don't like, you know, the bad guy is staring the good guy in the face. Why don't you just pull out a gun and shoot him? Like, and just kill him. I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't notice that a lot. I really don't. It's a problem of mine, I suppose. But cause once you see it, you know it. Um, well, the you don't Daleks- want it. I mean, that's, 
That's who mm-hmm. wants that? No, you don't. This this story really like <clears throat> I noticed it five minutes in, and I was like, wow, they need to uh, they need to stop doing that. And then it went on for another thirty minutes of like. The dogs really should have just shot the doctor as soon as he walked in the door. As soon as they realized the Jammy Dodger was a, wasn't a Jammy Dodger, which don't get me started on that thing. Um, uh, they should have just shot him. They should have shot him when he gave them what he wanted or what they wanted, which was the I am the doctor confession. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they should have shot him so many times, and they just don't. Why? Because the story doesn't call for it. Like it's just, and, and and that is emblematic of the whole thing. There is stuff in this story that happens purely because the plot doesn't want it to, or needs it to happen. Um, and that's like, you know, why don't the Daleks just blow up the earth? Like who cares what the doctor's saying? Daleks hate earth. Just blow it up. Like seriously, just blow it up and leave. That's your point. That's what you want to do. Just kill it. Like just, just end it. That's what, that's your thing. Like by sitting around and talking, you're really just, wasting all the power you have in any given situation it's it's amazing um and the doctor's just standing on the bridge for 20 minutes for 20 minutes he's just standing there it's 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 oh it's incredible i can't believe it like i can't believe it at all um bad bad (laughs) writing bad writing so bad like what watch it again it just does not hold up at all um at all uh, and it's really like I honestly think it's like the worst use of the Daleks I've ever seen. Like it's up there. Um, no, it's it's really, really, really not good. <laughs> I just what like I just from a concept. Okay, because here's the plot of this. Basically, the plot of this story is the Daleks help in World War II to get the attention of the Doctor. So that he'll come and be like, hey, you guys are Daleks. And then they'll record it and feed the recording to their ship so that their ship, who is denying that these are Daleks because they're half human or whatever. They're like the hybrid Daleks from from the Russell T. Davies era, will say, oh, they are Daleks and then let them create bigger, better Daleks. And so then they do and then they go away. (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's what this that's i just summed up victory of the daleks that's yeah what this is mm-hmm. plot wise <clears throat> it, it uh doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's very contrived and it uh i mean it, it sets up this brand new dalek paradigm like it's a big deal and and, and it doesn't like they don't do anything with it like 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 moffat has Brought back the Daleks and Asylum of the Dogs, but there were none of these. There was no, like, new Dalek order. He has never played with that because the point is to just put thing on the table and then look away. Like, mm-hmm. just walk away. Which is, which is which what is he's actually said. He's He has said that. He was like, that was my contribution. He's like, I might use them, I might not. They'll, but they'll be out there for other other writers who take over the show after me to, to mess with. Yeah, because the show was asking for it. Because um, oh. <laughs> God knows that Russell T. Davies just did, like, a Dalek story a season and, um, and you know, had already killed off all the Daleks. Like, they find a way. You you don't <laughs> owe it to Doctor Who to bring the Daleks back. Like, that, that notion is so flawed and it's like and it's like and that's my that's my other big problem with this is like this is so homagey in every sense of the word the i am your soldier line which is very scary um is right 
it is a direct like and they've said it's a lift it is a direct lift from power of the daleks which is in my opinion the best dalek story ever um where they said the where the where the daleks infiltrate and infiltrate a colony and say i am your servant under the guise of serving the colonists um it's a direct pull from that the shot where um where bracewell gets his arm shot off where he gets his hand shut off i mean i don't know if they intended that but that is straight out of revelation of the daleks where um one of the one of the dudes shoots off um uh davros's hand um and, and it's just like and it's just like that that fan pandering the continuity obsessed doctor who-ness of it like, you know that the reason that there were Daleks in this, like, and, and they could pro- try and convince me otherwise, but the reason that there are Daleks in this is this idea that the Doctor is not the Doctor until he's had a Dalek adventure. Um, and I think that that is a very flawed perspective. Yes, the Doctor should go up against the Daleks at some point, but, like, they, you can almost see it, like, in every shot of this where, like, you're three episodes into this new Doctor, and he's already fighting the Daleks because you just want to say, oh, he's fighting the Daleks. And that isn't, doesn't that validate him as the Doctor? It's like, no, we, we just watched two stories that really validated him as the Doctor. Like, him written here is really just really bad. Like, <laughs> I get that you're pissed at the Daleks, but, like, what changed, dude? Like, he's just pissed at them for no real reason. I've never seen the Doctor so pissed at the Daleks for no reason. Um... <laughs> And I, I just, I hate that idea. I hate the idea that, you know, uh, like, for some reason, and it, they do it in Five Doctors, too. The idea that the, the um, what was it, the third Doctor is for some, is somehow um, lesser than the other Doctors, because he never went up against the Cybermen. So you make sure in the Five Doctors that he goes up against the Cybermen who are in that story. I think that that is, um, I don't know, it's just, it's so narrow-minded, and it's like, and it's like, and you're... It's like it's like well no because then he's not complete it's like no then you're reducing him to traits and the doctor is not awesome because of who he fights he's awesome because of what he does mm-hmm. um, and that's I, well I not to that. mention the fact that like uh, he he has gone against the Cybermen because he's the same man that all the other doctors are so yeah. I don't that's not how this reality that you've created works so mm-hmm. wh- why why do you feel the need to have John Pertwee specifically mm-hmm. fight the Cybermen. I just, yeah. I don't understand. At that point, at that point, you're literally just, it's just like, it's like just masturbatory fandom. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's just, and it, and it's like, that's, that's fine. But the Moffat era has been pushing towards this constantly over and over again in every story. There's a point in this where the doctor mentions that he has a type 40 TARDIS. Why? There's no reason for it. Like he just says the TARDIS, can't he just say the TARDIS is temperamental? No one, you're saying type 40 to get people at home to go, oh, it's that type 40, that's what the TARDIS is. Like that's not, that's not interesting. Like that doesn't matter. It's the same, it's the Androzani trees problem where mm-hmm. I was reading an article about the doctor, the widow in the wardrobe. And, and it was a review and the guy, the guy writing the review said best use of Androzani ever. And I was like, really? That's the best use of Androzani we could have done. Best Andrew use Zani. of and Are you kidding me? That's what I, that's what it said. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, God, you're just eating it up. Like just demand more, like just demand more from, from your stuff. Cause if it's just homaging, then what's the I'm, point? I'm sorry, but, but, here, here's what's not interesting. Mentioning that the Doctor's TARDIS is a Type 40 TARDIS is not interesting. Having a villain who's another Time Lord and has a Type 41, that's interesting. Yeah. That's that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. how you pander to fans 
as an like to make me go oh <laughs> that's a big deal like, yeah that's, that's a that's, big deal yeah exactly and that's like and that's like the that's just the problem like it's just like if you're gonna reference fan continuity fine but do something to the continuity build off of what is there and the idea of making new daleks is essentially um a like that is a that is a worthy notion the idea that we need to create more and better daleks like that i don't i don't find fault in that i mean evolution of the daleks is a deeply problematic story but on paper i could see it working i see why they made that decision it's when you just don't do anything with what you've got that it it's just ridiculous like it's just so it's so stupid you know what they Um, need they need an episode called enterprise of the daleks where (laughs) (laughs) it's the daleks in star trek roles (laughs) just like completely confused yeah just there's the there's the uh there there's there's the kirk like yeah, go, go yeah. out and get him, Dalek, and then there's. And he like, has a, he has like a he has like a dopey toupee on, like just like there's the there's the irrationally rational doc like Dalek, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the the cranky doctor Dalek, who's uh, just like who's just like who's just like you green blooded Dalek, and you're like yes. <laughs> or something and like and like that's the, but that's the thing this this story is just not good i mean like the the idea of spitfires in space is interesting but like again it's just an idea they never do anything with it they mm-hmm. they just well but, the, but here's what's here's the thing though about spitfires in space that's it's interesting when you think about it but if you think about it for longer than just like surface level yeah longer than just a surface level thing it's not really that cool because we've seen it before. It's called Star Wars. That's what <laughs> X-Wings are. Yeah. X-Wings are Spitfires in space. We've mm-hmm. seen it before. This, so as soon as you see a Spitfire in space, you're like, oh, this is just Star Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's even got red and la- green laser blasts, clearly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not interesting. It's yeah. just not interesting. And it falls apart because, like, the doctor's up there. Like, those Spitfires moved really fast to get all the way into orbit. <laughs> like, I'll even, I will even, I will even give them the, uh, the, the oxygen problem. No, like, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, no, I'll give them, I'll give them, like, the air bubble or whatever yeah, you want to like, call it. But, like, but, like, they, they mount up that technology, they convert it really quickly and just send off those things into space. Like, yeah. So fast, like it's so fast. I don't really know how that works. Don't they have don't... propellers? It just <laughs> well, uh... they're cutting through nothing. So yes, um, I don't understand. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And like you know, the like why? Why did the Daleks like even even the even the even the ray gun that turns on all the lights of London? Like first of all, let's use that weapon to. Um, I actually, I think we just solved revolution. I think that's what happened with revolution is there's a couple of Daleks in orbit and they just, <laughs> that's the Daleks coming back. Yeah. There no it is. revolution. Revolution. Re- revolution is what happened when the professor found out that that chick wasn't real. And it's preparing for an imminent Dalek invasion, which I think actually the timing on that works out because Revolution starts in like 2040 and then they jump the story 15 years. They're in 20, 
2055, the Daleks invade Earth in uh, 2064 or something. There so you go. it's not like, yeah, so that's a Dalek invasion of Earth. Or maybe it's a 2164. I don't know. Anyways, revolution, guys. Those guys better start praying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the Daleks like, are coming. <laughs> they're on their way, man. They're on their way. Um, but it's it's just like it's just like nothing nothing about this makes sense. Like, why did the Daleks turn on the lights of London? They're like, we will watch them destroy themselves. It's like what do you care? You have a bomb that you can just blow up the earth as you leave. Like, just do that. Like nothing. The Daleks nothing made... in this are just too bond villainy. They're not Dalek-y yeah, enough. Yeah. Daleks no, are all. just, they're, I mean, they're, they're basically machines. That's how they act is they're just like, no, we're going to kill all these people because, uh, we want to be powerful. So yeah. we're going to be powerful by killing all these people. Yeah, xenophobic and genocidal is really how it is. Like, yeah. they just, they hate everything else. Like, they, the second they see humans, like, it it's scary to watch Daleks help humans because it's, it goes against their very nature. Mm-hmm. And the part where they end up shooting the guards is interesting, but, like, as soon as they have the confession from the doctor, they should just start executing everyone. Like that's really what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense. It I also really don't doesn't. like the, uh, the 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 differing power levels of their their like eradicator beam or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know when you first see it, they take down like all of these Spitfires. Like <laughs> they 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 just like they they just blow them up. Um, yeah, and then yeah. later they shoot those two soldiers and they're just normal. They just, yeah. you, you see their skeleton and then they fall over and I'm like, yeah, and they exploded that guy's hand. That's a lot of control, man. That's yeah. A lot of control. I, I was like, wow, I didn't realize there were so many power levels to the, the yeah. to that thing. Yeah. Um, also why do they care about power levels? Shouldn't everything just be at disintegrate? Yeah, everything should just be at. Eh, let's get out of here. Let's, yeah, I feel just... like I feel like dogs would just keep those things cranked at eleven at all times because yeah. why would they not? I don't yeah. understand. Uh, it doesn't make sense, and none of this makes sense. No. Um, uh, the idea that like I don't, God, I just I even the stuff where it's like where where they do the rollback on the Daleks, the idea that Amy and Earth have not seen Daleks, which we know now is because the Daleks fall into the crack and got unmade or something um something oh, it, something easy convenient plot device is like, that why is that why the uh the colored daleks are gone i guess that's so no. they introduced them and then they went away forever they they introduced them to introduce well new toys um but the <laughs> but the idea is like the way i always read it especially because we don't know the nature of the cracks so if you haven't seen season five just wait on this, I guess. Um, but we find out in Flesh and Stone that the crack is erasing things from history. That if you fall into the crack, you do not exist. The idea, I think, is that all of the Daleks at some point in time got erased by the crack, which is essentially just magic continuity do-over device at a certain point. Um so Earth doesn't know about the Daleks, and the Daleks have hit a point in history where they are just unknown to to humanity. The Doctor Go on. I also, oh my god, I love the convenience of this. Just, just, just reminded me of something that I never put together in the new series. Uh, <laughs> in series seven, uh, I love the super uber convenience that none of the Doctor's villains remember the Doctor, but uh, Brigadier's daughter does, <laughs> and Earth remembers. 
Please explain to me how that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think it makes sense at all. Uh, no, it doesn't make sense. And that's the problem is like, it seems like it's a good thing to fix continuity. Like in theory, fixing continuity is a thing that is good. Because it always continuity, makes it worse. No, it always makes it worse. You don't fix it. You go with it and you let it work. Like the rollback on this, like, but think about it between the Daleks two appearances. Cause let's not count the wedding river song. Lest we remind everyone that there was a token Dalek in that episode. Um, Oh yeah. Or, or their appearance. Cause you can't have a whole series of doctor who without at least a Dalek. Come on. Oh God. Oh, I'm still, I'm still angry about that. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. The whole, like the idea that like, Moffat was like, there will be no Daleks in series six. And then he's like, he's like, cause then we're just doing token Dalek appearances. And then in wedding of river song in the confidential, he goes, yeah, there's a Dalek because we got to have a token Dalek thing. It's like, what happened? Like what happened? Who didn't even make it broke you? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't even make it out of a series, a series without completely like retconning what you said. Like, (laughs) And everyone was so excited, and you just do a Dalek cameo. Come on. Like, come on. You think it can't? Come on. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, but, but like, okay. So between the Daleks' two appearances, not counting Pandora Ovens, not counting the Big Bang, um, and not counting Wedding River Song, which tells you that in terms of episodes, Moffat is rapidly approaching Russell T. Davies' numbers. Just FYI. Um, wait, did he beat him? Because he did – because if you don't count Army of Ghosts – or I guess you can't count Army of Ghosts. Yeah, Moffat's almost to Russell T. Davies' numbers in terms of Dalek appearances, just so you know. And Moffat has, you know, been doing this for less than three seasons at this point. Just, you know. So everyone complaining about overuse of Daleks, I would like to remind them that uh, this is happening right now. Anyways, <laughs> victory of the Daleks. Huge rollback on the Daleks. Suddenly the Daleks did not exist ever or they whatever, blah, 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 time fix, blah, blah, blah. They No one knows about the Daleks, okay? Then we have Asylum of the Daleks where we roll back the, the Dalek knowledge of the Doctor. And it's like, you're just trying to reset to square one. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand if you want to if you want to do something with your show. Like, just build build on stuff don't keep taking it away and maybe they're going somewhere interesting with it maybe um with the doctor um not being known to the dogs but i don't see what good that does i mean the whole point of the first dalek story is that's their introduction and everything after that has been based on that like just just go with it like i don't understand and maybe they'll fix it but knowing the track record i doubt it um I don't know. This is just, it's poorly planned. It's poorly executed. It's poorly done across the board. There's nothing really that is good here at all. So, um, so it's not very good. No, no it's not very good. No, 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 no. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's get out of it. Let's just bail. Okay. Well, next week, uh, next week you won't hear any complaining from us. Uh, next week, not for me. That's for damn sure. Next week is, uh, pyramids of Mars, uh, which is a fourth doctor, uh Sarah Jane episode um and uh and and more more importantly a Robert Holmes episode oh, uh, yeah. and then uh Time of Angels Flesh and Stone the 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 Angels two-parter from series 5 um which is lots of good stuff um which I always associate in my head for some reason with um well actually I know the reason why but I always associate in my head with um with the uh the 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 Chibnall two parter from that season. Um because 
the uh, the final set piece of that story is the same set that <laughs> is used in Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, um, and like exactly the same set uh, where they just they just sort of redressed it a little bit, but it's the <laughs> same exact set. And I was like, good for you guys uh, saving money, but um, now I associate those two stories in my mind forever. Oh, that's the other that's the other thing about this. This is this is cheap. <laughs> Victory of the Dogs is so cheap. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about it, but you're right. Oh my god. Isn't that really cheap? It's like uh it's an on location uh uh like uh uh basement set. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, uh, an empty room, a really empty room with low, with, with nothing, a low ceiling, with nothing in it. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing but Daleks. Yeah. And the doctor just standing there. Not even like, there's like one control panel and it's like, really? That's what you can afford right now. Wow. That's fascinating. Yep. Huh. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Well, uh, next week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, oh, that's right. I have one complaint about flesh and stone, but I'll, I'll get there when we get there. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about that next week. Chill out. Hell yeah. Calm down. Hell yeah. Calm down. Yeah, I'm relaxing. Relaxing. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, however, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things from time to time, but not often. Not as often as Matt uh, does on his alternate Twitter account. Um and uh, also make sure that you're listening to the Mind Robbers uh, if you're not f- for shame because uh, we work hard on that show and it's <laughs> and we we have a lot of fun this week. Uh, we're going to be talking. We're doing sort of like a a Halloween spooktacular, if you will, um, mm-hmm. in which uh, Matt is not uh much for horror films or at least he never was so he hasn't seen a lot of things so i i chose a handful um to give him a taste of a little of everything and uh some of my favorite horror films uh for a variety of reasons and uh so we're going to be watching that so we're going to be watching uh we're, we're we're watching scream um we're watching uh trick or treat and paranormal activity um, and we're talking, we're, 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 looking at ET and, um, and then severed, severed like I talked yeah. about earlier. So we've got a little, everything, little, everything, uh, should be, uh, should be an interesting conversation, I think, mm-hmm. um, along with our regular supernatural talk and, um, and, uh, just whatever we've been watching. So, uh, a lot of movies we're going to be talking about because the other day I went to the movies and watched five things. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, how was that Tyler Perry movie, my friends? Okay, let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's not talk about that miscommunication. Uh, uh, now everyone thinks you watched the Tyler Perry movie. That I did not. I did not. Matt is <laughs> just not knowing what the names of things are. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so... Uh, Keep your eyes peeled to uh, mindrobber.net for that episode of The Mind Robbers because you will like it. Um, and then, of course, you should email us, podcast at mindrobber.net. But uh, in the meantime, Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gunkadin. Also, my alternate Twitter account, GD Commentary, where I live tweet things my own self. Usually, it's just things that I'm thinking, I suppose. Um, also, my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. 
uh, where I blogged about Doctor Who, and uh, last week I blogged about my favorite Pertwee story, which is Ambassadors of Death, uh, which is my favorite Pertwee story, and has one of the best endings of any Doctor Who story I think I've ever seen, because it's so subtle. Um, uh, this week, I, I guess Cassandra's doing the Sunmakers, that's the plan anyways, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, also coming up on the Doctor's Companion. So we're doing Pyramids of Mars and uh, Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone next week. Uh, the week after, we're doing Earthshock and Vampires of Venice. Um, and then we're doing Planet of the Ood and, I guess, Amy's Choice. So, um, so stuff to look forward to. All of which, again, as we mentioned last week, is on Netflix Instant. All of which you should watch. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mostly, I'm reticent to tell people to watch Pyramids of Mars because, really, it's just all downhill from there. Uh, but... <laughs> That's not not entirely true. I don't know, man. There's very little that is as good as Pyramids of Mars. Um, But uh, we'll we'll talk about that next week. So it's good stuff. All right. All right. Well, (laughs) leave iTunes reviews, and I guess we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.